Garbage into Gold, a Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Visit online at phlsportsnation.com, and you can find the Garbage into Gold blogs there, where myself uh, post columns from time to time. And you can also find Garbage into Gold merchandise on the Philadelphia Sports Nation merch page, which can also be accessed from phlsportsnation.com. So make sure to check all that out. And if you're not already doing so, please uh, hit the subscribe button uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and give us a follow if you're listening on Spotify so you can keep up with all of the latest and greatest episodes that will be coming out in the weeks to come with the NBA season upon us. But uh, before we get into this episode, I wanted to remind everybody that Garbage Into Gold is proudly powered by Manscaped. 2020 sucked. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world. If you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with their Perfect Package 3.0 that has all of the right tools for the job. Balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0, which is part of the Perfect Package. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. It also is time to freshen up down there this new year with the Crop Preserver, an anti-tiffing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Get 20% off plus free shipping on all Manscaped products with the code PHL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PHL. Happy New Year to you and, of course, to your balls. All right, everyone, this episode doesn't need much introduction. We will be discussing the Sixers' regular season opener against the Washington Wizards. So without any further delay, please enjoy this episode of Garbage into Gold. Garbage into Gold. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Garbage Into Gold. Uh, we're coming at you fresh off of the Sixers 113-107 victory in their season opener of the 2020-2021 season. Uh, it looked uh, a little bleak at times, but here we are, 1-0. Uh, my name is Brandon Apter. I am one of your hosts, joined, as always, by my co-host, uh, Jesse Larch. How are you doing uh, after the win? I know it's just one game, but... Feels good to to get a W rather than an L. Yeah, and it feels good to just have like basketball on TV, you know, to come home from work and fix yourself dinner, and then sit down and just get to watch a Sixers game. It's it's almost like we're living in a normal world. It's it's a nice little uh, nice little change of pace. Yeah, certainly is. Um... You know the story. You know, the, this this was very typical of any Sixers game, really. I believe, 
um, you know, the roller coaster finish against a team that uh, they should be able to to handle uh, relatively easily. Uh, new look Washington Wizards team with Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Uh, and they have some good young pieces there with Thomas Bryant, um, Bonga, and the, the Israeli guy. Um, I've, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Avdia. Yeah, Avdia. So uh, you know they can have some good uh, young pieces, and and they and Hachi your... and Hachi Moore didn't even play. Yeah, and they have some former Sixers and Ish Smith, Howell Neto. Fuck Howell Neto. <laughs> he's he's so, he's still so gorgeous though. Let me tell you that he's a gorgeous man. Yeah, he still sucks at basketball too. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, 113-107, the final scores. Uh, just a quick uh, rundown. Uh, Joel Embiid finishing with a uh, team-high 29 points to go along with 14 rebounds. Only three turnovers, not bad. Um, Tobias Harris, 10 points, 3 of 13 shooting. Ben Simmons, 16 points. Uh, we'll get to each of these guys. Seth Curry with 13 points. Danny Green only with two. And then the bench uh, all together looked really good. And we'll talk about the bench in just a little bit. But, Jesse, I guess uh, just your initial thoughts of how they looked coming out of the gates and, I guess, um, your overall thoughts on how everything came together, whether, you know, whether there was cohesion or whether there were specific spots that concerned you early on in the season. Yeah, for me, it felt like the starting five was kind of playing – as if they were still on the practice court. Um, I just, I didn't really see that sense of urgency that you would hope to see in like a professional basketball game. And that goes like that's everyone that was out there. Um, Embiid was really sluggish with his decision-making at times. Uh, Simmons didn't seem, at least in the first half, Simmons didn't seem totally like in the game. Not that he was playing poorly, but he wasn't doing like the second half. Ben Simmons had I really thought was good um but like just in general I didn't feel like they were coming out there like all right this is the first game of the season and a big part of that could be no fans being there and stuff like that but overall I felt like that starting five came out very very slow and kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit by the Wizards and then when they swapped in the bench unit holy shit like they were the exact opposite of that, and that was, like, some of the most fun basketball I've seen. I feel like we say this every year. This is, like, the most fun basketball I've seen. But, like, it really was really fun to watch that bench unit go to work there in the first half. Yeah. Um, on the night, and again, we'll we'll kind of dive into the bench guys that we were impressed by in a little bit more depth, but... Uh, on the night, 43 points from the Sixers bench. I mean, it looked like the best Sixers bench that I've seen since, um, you know, pre-process days. Like, it was very nice to see young players come in and be able to contribute, young players that they've developed to be able to contribute. Uh, but I agree with you with regard to the starting lineup. I don't think Embiid or Simmons really picked it up until uh, the second half whether it was just shaking off some rust, some early season new player jitters, whatever it was. 
Uh, but I feel like they both turned it on when it needed to be turned on. Embiid in the fourth quarter, where he scored 15 of his 29 points. Uh, and Ben Simmons, really, after that scoring drought that they had in the third quarter, where they almost didn't score for the entire half, first half of the quarter, uh, he, he began to attack a little bit more. And he went to the line six times, which was nice. Normally last year, you were seeing him only go to the line a couple, three, four times a game. So to see him go there six and and really uh, not being afraid to attack. It seems like he was a little more aggressive. Um, so I liked what I saw from Simmons and Embiid. I thought the starting lineup uh, as a whole looked a little bit clunky, and it'll be interesting to see how they shuffle guys in and out because, like you mentioned, the bench unit had so much cohesion and so much fluidity, um, and the starters did not. And you still have three starters returning from last season too with Simmons and Beaton Harris. So I was kind of surprised at how clunky it looked with them at times, but Tobias Harris just didn't look very good. So we, we talked a little bit about Ben Simmons. We might as well talk about Joel Embiid. He kind of looked a little slow, maybe unengaged in, in the uh, first two quarters. I think he only had 14 points in the first half. Um, and then again, exploded for 15 in in the fourth quarter. But what did you like? What didn't you like from MB during the season opener? Um, for me, it's still, I mean, my main issue with MB year in and year out is just, you know, low IQ plays, um, you know, getting caught in double teams, you know, not passing out at the right time. Uh, poor, poor passes or positioning himself poorly to receive passes. Like, just things that really come with time, and it's tough because, in a lot of ways, like he's in, in his if or what would be his infancy if he was like coming up as a basketball player in America, right? Because you figure the amount of experience he has, he'd probably be like a fifteen or sixteen year old, like getting ready to like hit that next level in terms of IQ, in terms of what he knows about the game. Um, so again, like it's, I, I don't want to cut him some slack on it, but like, I do try to keep it in perspective that he is only like so many years into basketball. Um, but it's frustrating to see like the same mistakes year in and year out from him overall. Like my one thought was for a guy who's supposed to be one of the most physically dominant players in the league. He spends a lot of time on the wood. Um, that I don't know if he's like flopping or if he's just not as strong as we think he is, but he spends like way too much time laying on the court when he should just be plowing through people and not giving up like any room to people. So I don't know if he just goes down early. I mean, you can tell me what you think about that, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think last year we saw him flop more than I had ever seen him in years past. Um, and he's a guy, like, he is physical, and he is going to take advantage of the calls that he can get. Uh, I, I did think that he dropped to the floor a little more than I would have liked to. I don't get the flashbacks that I do or, like, the anxiety that I did earlier in his career because – He's a little removed from those serious injuries, but I don't know. I guess when I've played basketball before or even like roller hockey, sometimes you just have to kind of go go along like with the fall. 
So I don't know if he's doing it purposely because it just seemed like he was kind of tripping or getting tangled up or anything like that. So maybe in those situations, it's better to just follow through with the fall so you don't land awkwardly. I'm probably looking a little bit too into it. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. That's like, I mean, this is a weird example too, but like kind of like the principles of parkour is like you keep the motion, you keep the momentum flowing. So that the impact never actually sets into you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I did notice it. And I'm sure it's not something that we'll see, see too often. But, you know, with regard to the double teams, I feel like he wasn't double teamed nearly as much. But as as he got more aggressive in the fourth quarter even when he was double teams he had, he had this one he had this one layup where he cut through like three defenders and hit a layup so i thought we saw flashes of the elite embiid uh, that we've seen so many times before and he still has the ability to be one of if not the best big man in the nba 10 of 17 for the floor, only one three, which should please you. Uh, eight of nine from the line, the Sixers as a team, a 23 of 30 from the line, which which is pretty good. So I liked what I saw from Embiid. Again, I, I thought that defensively he was a, a bit of a non-factor in the first half. Uh, and then as the game progressed and, and got along, it seemed like he was a little more engaged and hustled a little bit more and, and uh, realized that once they went down by 10, 12, 13 points that he needs to, he needs to turn it on. And, and that's exactly what he did. One thing I'll also point out is he only took one three. And I knew after the preseason game, we were talking. Yeah. About, I just said that. I was just like, you'll, you'll like that. Only one three. You threw, you threw a lot of stats at me and I got, <laughs> I got caught up in the whirlwind there. No, but yeah, I definitely like, cause if, it was going to be like that preseason game where he fired off, I think four or five threes in limited minutes. Like maybe that was just him trying to get a shooting touch going because I'm fine with one or two threes a game Um, and doing what they did tonight, letting him operate inside, letting him go to the line, went to the line nine times. Like, I think that's a recipe for success with him. I I really don't understand what, especially with, you know, green and Curry, Milton, Corkmaz, um, Mike Scott, like, there's no reason to station Embiid outside the arc very often. Yeah. Um, what What did you think about how uh, the how many pick and rolls there were? I feel like it, there were more pick and rolls than we've ever seen in Brett Brown's entire tenure, and we knew it was going to be a big part of Doc Rivers' offense. But I think it it, it worked pretty well. Uh, and you saw Embiid and Simmons work a couple in too. Actually, I think one of the first plays of the game was Embiid running a pick and roll with Simmons in the post that uh, ended up with Ben missing an elbow jumper. But um, curious to know your observations of of how the pick and roll ran, and maybe, um, yeah, I, I just guess your thoughts on the on the on the pick and rolls. I mean, it's a staple for Doc Rivers. I mean, it's something he really likes to run. Um, I mean, we have a lot of different guys he can do it with. So I I expect to see more of it. Um, You know, I was happy to see lobs coming to the Sixers because we didn't really see much of that during Brett Brown's tenure. 
But when you have guys like Embiid and Dwight Howard and Ben Simmons who are elite around the rim, you know, a, a pick and roll kind of sets you up for that. So you figure Embiid rolls through the paint, Howard rolls through the paint. We saw them both get free behind their man and just go up and have a real easy ball to catch and put down. Um, that's an easy two points. So if they can operate that, uh, I'm losing the word. <laughs> consistently that's the word if, if they can operate that consistently like it's a good weapon to have and then it lets you build a lot of things out of it yeah um yeah i mean again i thought that it ran really well there weren't as many dribble handoffs as i thought that there would be um we we got we didn't see too much of danny green i I uh, think that he looked all right defensively, but he looked a little uh, hesitant on offense. And I I think he ended up being like a minus 27. Yeah, team worst, minus 27. I think it might have been a game worse. Yeah, minus 27. Uh, Only two points, one for six shooting. I didn't think that he looked terrible uh, terrible defensively, but it just kind of looked like he didn't know exactly where he should be on the court. and uh, Seth Curry, I was kind of underwhelmed with him the first half, and then he kind of made some big plays in the in the fourth quarter. He hit the bucket to put the Sixers ahead, I think, 101-99. That ended up being, like, the decisive bucket. I don't think that they uh, looked back or, or trailed after that point. But uh, the new additions, Danny Green, Seth Curry, uh, what did you see from them in this game? I mean, I think it's very fitting that the two sharpshooters you brought in were a combined one of nine from three. <laughs> like, that's if that's not the Sixers, I don't know what is. Um, you know, that, that hampered the Sixers, them not hitting their shots, because that's going to be, like, so important to how this offense operates by giving Embiid and Ben both the space they need to create and make their plays. Um, it's not going to be every night those two guys go ice cold. Like there's going to be a lot of nights where they're both hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not concerned about it. It sucks that it happened, but the Sixers found a way to overcome it. And that's a thing they normally wouldn't overcome. Yeah. So I, I consider that to be in like just me, I guess, just looking for the positive in it. Like that's the positive spin on it. Um, I mean, like I said, if I believed that they were going to continue to shoot a combined 12% from three for the rest of the season, yeah, I'd be worried, but there's like no chance that happens. Yeah. Um knock knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Uh you're scrolling through Twitter now. It looks like after the game, Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, Dwight Howard all immediately took the floor and uh are are shooting around post game, getting some extra work in, which is always good to see. Uh it would be nice to see Tobias Harris out there, I'm sure. Uh Tobias Harris uh not not the debut that you want to have. And he's a guy, you know, for better or for worse, how, however nice he is, however much he does for the community, he's always going to be looked at uh, by his contract. And at this point, I would be very, very shocked if he even lives up to half of it at this point. Um, three of 13 from the floor, uh, 0 of 4 from the th- 3. He looked even slower in his, and hesitant in his decision-making than he had in the preseason. 
uh, and even in the bubbles. Like he 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 looked worse than I had seen him in, in quite some time. I don't think that he really uh, had many issues guarding on defense or anything like that, but it's just very deflating to to see how this is unfolding because he was always a very productive NBA player, not $180 million worth productive. But, um, I mean, it, it's... I don't. I don't even really know what to say. I think down the stretch, you you almost could have put Shake Milton in for Tobias Harris and not kept Harris in there and um, Danny Green on the bench. I feel like you could have put in Shake Milton and even another shooter, Cork Maz or something. I I don't know. I, I I'm I just kind of I'm just kind of uh, out of words of of what to say. It's one game. I feel like I'm not overreacting though. Like he just looks flat out terrible. He he can't do anything well. I mean, he had a lot of a lot of shots that weren't far from falling, but that's obviously like that it isn't horseshoes. Um you know, I'm not ready to be out on Tobias Harris yet because of what he's done under Doc Rivers in the past. So I, I want to see Doc try to unlock him a little bit. I mean he did take thirteen shots tonight, like 0 for 4 from 3. Again, like, is he going to go 3 for 13 from the field every night? I highly doubt that. You know, do you want a little more from him? Absolutely. And you need more from him. But, again, you know, I'm I'm trying to just stay on the side of it's only one game. Like, it's not going to... It doesn't help his case with the fans, but it's it's not enough for me to pull the plug on Tobias Harris. Yeah, and because of, and, and because of who he is for the team, like you were saying with his leadership, like he's not a guy you can take off the floor in the in the closing moments of that game. And I I do was he the one that made the pass to Ben in the post on that like dunk that sealed it? Yeah. No, I think that was an Embiid. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure though. I mean, he has no assists so now that I'm looking at it, but. I thought it was him. I thought Embiid was the the uh, decoy on the play. No, that was a that was a nice that was a nice play though. I don't know whether it, whether or not it was designed that way, but it worked out a, better than I could have well, imagined. So, so my thought was, like Russell Westbrook, Joel Embiid is just so living in Russell Westbrook's head. It's insane because Russell Westbrook was guarding Ben Simmons on the post directly under the basket. But he saw Embiid, so he vacated the post under the basket to go out to the top of the key to cover Embiid, and that left Simmons wide open. Like if you watch that play, Westbrook leaves Simmons to go cover Embiid. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if it's like an in his head thing, because what what do we know from Joel Embiid's history? Like the history. The history of Joel Embiid in those situations is that he's going to get double teamed and probably cough the ball up. Like that's probably what's going to happen. So I don't. I don't even know. Like from what I saw, to be honest, it didn't look like there was any bad blood. Like if, if there were a couple times where either Embiid fouled Westbrook or vice versa, and they pat each other on the chest or on the butt. So it seems like they're well past whatever. Uh, you, you know, that rivalry that was a season or two ago when 
when Russell was in uh, Oklahoma City. That was, that was what, like two seasons ago at this point? Yeah, I don't think they're over it because I don't know if you noticed when uh, the final buzzer rang. <laughs> but Westbrook was down there and he like nudged Embiid on his way past him. See, like I saw he, it like, as walking... like a chest bump. Like it was, it, lo- it looked harmless that. to me. It looked I mean, like I'm a... A, I'm a, I'm an admitted Russ hater, so yeah. I'm going to see the negative side of it regardless. <laughs> he um, looked, I mean, I think he looked okay tonight. You know, he looked like old Russ. Like he, he took 22 shots. Uh, him and Beal combined for 44 shots total. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I've I've never been a Russell Westbrook fan. I think that he's going to be like a Hall of Famer. I mean, the guy averaged a triple-double for three straight seasons. He had one tonight, 21, 15, and 11. So uh, I think this loss. season, I think this season, I think we talked about it during our bold, not bold predictions, but our conference predictions when I said that I think the Wizards are going to finish as the seventh seed. I just thought that this year, this was the year that Westbrook was going to kind of get that ego um and like asshole side of him out of the way and just kind of return to to what he is and i feel like we saw a lot of that tonight it just seemed like he was not prime russell westbrook but he he did what he does best well i thought yeah i mean he'll fill out the staff sheet and a loss for his team that's what he's good at yeah plus 10 though plus 10 I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep uh, rolling off Russell Westbrook stats for the rest of the year uh, for you, just because I know you'll love it. Um, some 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 fun news: uh, the Celtics just beat the uh, Bucks by one point. Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, had a chance to tie it, but missed one of two free throws, and the Celtics <laughs> beat the Bucks by a point. So yeah, how about that? So we went LeBron, through Lebron would never. So we went through the starting lineup. Everybody in the starting lineup, including Embiid and Simmons, was a minus. Um, so why don't we just go ahead and go to the bench? As we mentioned, it was really... I mean, it's part of the reason that the Sixers were able to develop a 13-point lead in the second quarter uh, before that Davis Bertans, like, three straight three-pointers uh, that ended up putting Washington up by one at the half. Yeah, but the bench... That, that, that was just fucking ridiculous. Uh, the bench, like though, he, he could have yeah. shot the he could have shot the ball from Xfinity Live, and it would have went in the hoop at that point. Yeah, he was he was uh, just under six minutes. He was three for three uh, from three, nine points, and and again, it's it's the Wizards end up winning that quarter despite um, despite the bench like playing really well. Shake went three for three, one for one from three. Uh, seven points in the second quarter. Maxi had four points. Uh, to- uh, not to- uh, uh, Mike Scott had three points, um, and, and they looked good in in the first too. I mean, the bench again, forty three combined points between Shake, Mike Scott, and Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, they went six for thirteen from beyond, and as we said before, Seth Curry and Danny Green were what one for nine from yep. beyond. So it's nice to see. I feel like we've for so long really desired like good homegrown players that can contribute. And we saw that with shake. We saw that with Furcon surprisingly, like if you told me a year and a half ago that Furcon Korkmaz would be like the sniper off the bench, I would not believe you even for a second. Uh, And Tyrese Maxey too, looked like he belonged right off the bat. So 
why don't we start with Shake Milton? You know, six man. He's he's going to be the six man at least for the first stretch, I think. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up replacing Danny Green or Seth Curry at some point in the starting lineup because his confidence seems to be at an all time high. Uh, he runs really well in the pick and roll with Simmons and Bede and and Dwight Howard. Uh, and and I feel like all around he's improved defensively as well. Finishes the night, um, finishes the night with 19 points, a game high plus 33. 19 points on six for 11 shooting, two for four from beyond, and five for seven from the line. So just really, really great performance by Shake Milton, who's under contract for what like three million over the next two years. Unreal. Yeah. I mean, it's just an app. His contract's a joke. Um, but yeah, I mean, you left out when you're talking about him. You said he's going to be the sixth man. You left out of the year because, like, I'm about to start just dropping heavy bets on Shake to win that award. I'm all in on Shake. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would be with you. I just think, and this might just be a one game observation, but I feel like. He he brings more with the starters, especially if Tobias Harris is has more nights like he does tonight. Um, I, I feel like him in place of Curry or him in place of Danny Green might happen at one point or another. Um, but I, at the same time, I think going into the season, we had thought that Curry was going to be kind of like the J.J. Redick type and then... Um, you know, Shake would come off the bench and provide like an okay uh, backup ball handler job, but it looks like he's going to be also him and Cork Mods are going to be those sharpshooters. And I know that I'm rambling on and on here, but I feel like I need a Shake Milton jersey like tomorrow. He just looks good and he looks so confident. Like even on defense, I don't know how much you noticed him on defense, but he guarded Beal and Westbrook very, very well. Had three steals tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to convince me Shake Milton isn't going to be, like, the saving grace for this team right now. Um, like you're saying, him looking better with the starters, I think it's a result of, like, what we've kind of been saying the last few years is, like, Ben and Joel need need that combo guard skill set with them. And when things got stale, Shake was a big part of reviving things. I mean, I thought the turning point of the game was when Ben – started going downhill and attacking the rim. I feel like that's when the Sixers started getting control of the game again. Um, but there's no denying that Shake's play was like, he kind of put the team on his back at a few different points. Yeah, if he's not if he's not starting, I would imagine that if he keeps up this type of play, that he's going to be finishing games. He, I mean, if he keeps playing yeah. like this, he's going to have I, to be in there at the end of the games. So I think you're like you just look at Doc's history, and like Lou Williams was the clear six man, but he always finished games for the Clippers. And I think Shake going to be that role for the Sixers. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so Shake again with 19 points on six for 11 shooting, really good. Furkan Korkmaz. Again, somebody you and I in the past have doubted so many times. 11 points, 4 for 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from beyond. 
is no longer a liability on the defensive end and really just did his job, put himself in good spaces to get uh, those three-point shots. I feel like he had a couple of opportunities to, to get easy floaters, but uh, he was just slightly off on a couple of those. But uh, really like what I saw from Furcon And um, Tyrese Maxey's NBA debut, very, very good too. Six points, two rebounds, two assists. Uh, three of six from the floor. Took a three. His forms. His form looks good, but I mean, if 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 there if this is any preview of what he's going to be like as an NBA player, like if he develops a serviceable shot, which I think that he will, uh, he's going to be very very good. Like that's this is exactly the type of player that they need off the bench too. In addition to Shake Milton and having that backcourt of Maxi and Milton off the bench could be really, really helpful when uh, the other team goes into their bench units as well. Yeah, I mean, I love what I saw from all three of them. Um, one more guy on the bench I really was pleased with, and I I mean, I was happy the moment we got him, but he kind of backed it up. I mean, Dwight Howard, I thought, had a really effective night as well, and he seems to be fitting in like a glove. Um, the big thing for me with him, 10 rebounds in 13 minutes, which – you know, the Sixers for such a big team usually get kind of dominated on the glass. Dwight coming in, I mean, he gave you three offensive rebounds in 13 minutes. Like that's to me, that's huge. Those those are where games are won, or like the little things like Is he that. A better they, offensive rebounder than your boy uh, James Ennis. He might be. <laughs> I mean, James Ennis, when you factor in his size and the fact that he doesn't normally under the rim. You got to give him some extra points for that. Yeah, but, that's true. But, I mean, as far as being a guy who is looking for the rebound and understanding the importance of that, um, I think – and I think even with Embiid, I thought Embiid looked better rebounding tonight than he normally does. And I know he normally kind of ends up with a stat line like he had tonight. But his, a lot of his rebounds to me are like just errant shots that fall on his lap. Like, when he has to fight for a rebound, he doesn't usually win them. And tonight I saw Embiid kind of winning some rebounds and getting position and working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be a result of, you know, having Dwight Howard in practice with him because Dwight has always been a great rebounder. But now he, you know, now having that here off the bench, I mean, I, I do think that was a weak point that wasn't talked about enough with the Sixers in the past is that the starters didn't rebound well enough and – the bench certainly didn't. And now you have a guy who's just going to come in and clean up the boards. And that, that helps you do so much. It helps you control the tempo of the game. You know, it helps you get those second chance points that a lot of games are decided by. Like it's a little thing that really goes a long way in my opinion. And I just wanted to, it's like when you watch football and you hype up the fullback, (laughs) like that's basically what I'm doing right now. But I do think it's like super important to have someone here that's willing to attack the glass like if that. Dwight Howard is the Mike Alstott of uh, fullbacks, and I think we're in a good spot. Uh, I'll I'll give it an Anthony Sherman. I won't give it. I won't give it a uh, a Mike Alstott. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, we'll I, see. I we'll thought, see. I thought. I uh, thought to elaborate on that. I I thought that he, in addition to being active on the offensive glass 
Uh, there were a few times where I feel like he could have lost his cool when he was called for bad f- fouls. I thought the officiating was was fucking terrible. Yes, um, yes, it was. There were there were plenty of times where he was called for bad fouls, and I feel like the old Dwight Howard like would have lost his cool, but he kept his cool, uh, just kept going. But I mean, what he does on offense for this team is just so simple, and he does it so well. Just setting screen after screen, handing the ball off to Maxi or handing the ball off to Shake Milton, uh, you know, rolling to the rim either to to get a pass to dunk it or uh, for for Shake or Maxi or another guard to to have an opportunity at a layup. Like he just creates so many opportunities from that pick and he's like a perfect person for Doc Rivers' pick and roll offense. And uh, like I'm couldn't be happier that we got him uh, over Nerlens Noel. Um, so very, very happy with what we saw from um, Dwight Howard tonight. I'm just, just uh, to quickly go back to Ben Simmons tonight. I think both of you, both of us, agreed that we saw like a switch go off where he started going downhill. Um, Jackie McMullen from ESPN released a really, really great Sixers piece today um and i read some excerpts excerpts of it and and ben simmons talked about how much that he likes uh playing for doc already just two preseason games in and one of the quotes from that was i appreciate how honest doc is with me the other night he called me over in the middle of a game and said are you going to the fucking rim or what i like that so i wonder if that's what he did in the third quarter when they were uh starting to to hemorrhage a bit if if doc pulled him aside and asked him if he's going to the fucking rim or what yeah i actually had the same thought like that you just said um because that's kind of what it seemed like is you know all game i was kind of thinking in my head like you know now we get a little bit insight on how doc motivates because he presents himself as like a very proper guy and like a very polite man not that he isn't but to hear that in game he's willing to say shit like that like i love that and it also like the fact that ben responds well to it is another thing i love because everyone's kind of labeled ben as like a prima donna and like he doesn't care about basketball or getting better and like it really just goes to show like there's no chance brett brown was ever brett brown couldn't challenge ben to shoot a fucking basketball yeah. You know, we got asked for five years or four years, however long it was. When when is Ben gonna shoot? And it was always just like, oh well, when he's ready. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, I think I think I sent you parts of the this article, and one of them was just that Ben Ben was almost like separating himself from the team last year and working primarily with his personal trainer because like people were just doing their own thing. There wasn't any cohesion. There wasn't that accountability, and and you saw that, and more and more of that information is coming out as, as this season gets underway. But I mean, it's it's crazy how much how how much worse things were than it looked on the surface. Like we knew things were bad just from the roster construction uh, as it is, but it just seemed like this team was was very energetic and and cohesive uh, compared to just like the deadbeat offense that we saw for the majority of, of last season, especially in the bubble. So it's good to see Ben Simmons um, being more accountable. Um, he, he spoke very highly of Shake Milton post-game, uh, just uh, sp- speaking to reporters right now. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that we, anything else that we missed here. Um, I thought Mike Scott looked good. Glad he's in the rotation. He was a plus 13. He, he helps space the floor and might not get as many shots as he used to, but, um, I think that, uh, just having him out there as a guy that can hit the three, uh, spaces the floor for, for both Embiid yeah, and Simmons. It's good because he's a guy that is or isn't going. He isn't going to get upset if he doesn't get six shots a game. You know, he he's a guy that knows his role, and guys like that are invaluable. He's a good veteran presence because the bench is really young. The whole team's kind of young still, um, aside from like Danny Green yeah. and I guess Tobias Harris and Howard. But I think the, I mean, Tobias Shea, Harris is so much younger than I thought that he was. Yeah. I mean, but like Shake, Cork, Maz, Maxi, like having them with Howard and Mike Scott is really going to help them grow up. Um, I mean, they already they're already playing pretty grown up, but you know, th- those are just I-, I like the veteran presences on this team, guys that are tough. They, you know, to to quote Mike Scott, like they ain't no bitch, but they know how to play the game. They know how to buy in. And again, going back to Dwight Howard, like he had that quote before the season that. Winning a ring last year changed his perspective on everything, and how now he's a team player. He isn't a like he isn't a diva anymore, and it, it felt kind of like bullshit. But at least so far, and it's very early, but at least so far, he's really backing that up, and you can tell on the court that he's like becoming a glue guy, and he's trying to be a leader to the younger players, and he's trying to set a good example. And, I mean, that is such a great guy to have in the locker room if the Sixers got that Dwight Howard. Yeah, I saw him uh, talking to Tyrese Maxey a couple times, and it looked like he was instructing him, not instructing him, but talking to him about, uh, you know, how he was going up for a layup uh, on, a, on a recent play while they were both on the bench. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It seems like he's really embraced that mentorship role. Um, yeah, I mean, and like a la Robert Covington, like, he was the first guy up off the bench for every big shot. You yeah. know, like, like it, it's just great to have guys like that. And I hope he continues to be that guy because that's going to be those are like, again, little things that make teams go from good to great, I think. And, uh, you know, let's let's hope it stays that path. Yeah. Um, so I think we talk any any other like good things. I feel like we talked about all the good. Um but I, I, I covered the bed too. I have one more thing I want to say, and sure. it's really quick. Um, for playing 17 seconds, Matisse Thibel looked really bad. <laughs> like he got cooked <laughs> twice. <laughs> um, the foul on Beal was a really bad foul. I thought like it was. A, lucky. I just. I mean, I thought it was an awful call. He was coming around the pick. It looked like he was fouled on the pick, but. Yeah, but even after the pick, like when Beal was up, Thibel still came through his arm and like tried to shove his arm as if he was trying to disrupt the shot. Yeah. Which like like you would do on like a fast break. That's not what you do when time's running out at the end of the game when you're trying to limit their possessions. Yeah, I think because if they called that like I think they called the foul on the pick. Like when Thibel grabbed Beal's yeah, jersey. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't call that one, they definitely could have called a shooting foul on the three and then put Beal at the line to shoot three. It would have made it like a two-point game. Yeah. It was just a really poor IQ play, and I think we were kind of saying that, that like Thibel 
is a great instinctual player and a good athlete, but he is again like low lacking on the IQ side of the game, and that was evidence of that. Yeah, and if he, um, if he's going to be put if he's going to be put in there in those situations, I feel like they need to do some more situational stuff with him in practice because if he's not going to get as much playing time, he's not going to have time to get comfortable or settle in or anything. Uh, Doc Rivers did say that Tyrese Maxey played really well uh, in the preseason. That's why he got more minutes than Thibault. But he said Matisse is going to get his opportunity. So I think we'll see him be able to get opportunities more than just 17 seconds. But uh, I do, I mean, I like the idea of him being like a defensive stopper in those close games, but I, I don't think he's quite established enough to, to make like that big of a difference. Um, I think if Danny Green had, had been, I don't know, I, I, he, Danny Green wasn't hurt. He wasn't out there, but I probably would have put Danny Green out there instead of Thibel over that time. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of it too. I think it's, you know, a smart thing to do when you have a guy that's like Thibel. But I'm saying, like, for a guy who's clearly fighting for minutes, he did not do much to improve his stock. Yeah. You know, he was out. He was out there for defense, and he made a bad defensive play in 17 seconds. That's that's the way I'm looking at it, at yeah. least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, the only other, I wouldn't necessarily call it a concern. I would just say like an. It's early season kink, and it's like a Joel and Ben thing, but it doesn't exactly involve like them. Exact. I don't really. So Embiid said after the game that he really enjoyed playing uh, early in the fourth quarter with four shooters. I think he was out there with Curry, Shake Milton, uh, Mike Scott, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it was Corkmaz and Embiid out there, or Maxi at one point or another, and the spacing was just really good. Um, he was able to attack downhill more so because he had four shooters around him. And I thought that lineup was really, really good. And I guess, like, not not a concern, but you, you hear these national media narratives of Ben and Joel not being able to coexist, and I don't buy it, but there there's not, like, no truth to it either. There's no, I mean, there's there's clearly benefits to playing Joel with four shooters and not Ben. And and we saw that in early in the fourth quarter when it was just the Embiid show. He took over. There weren't any spacing issues or anything like that. So, um, I I I don't. Th- we're obviously going to see Embiid and Ben in, down down the stretch in, cr- in crunch time. But I think those those minutes with Embiid and and four shooters are going to be used more and more often because, I mean, it just looked very very good. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all I had on this. Again, very impressed by the bench starting lineup. Hopefully, again, it's only one game, so I'm not super concerned about that. The Sixers uh, now play three of their next four games on the road. Uh, they are at the Knicks on Saturday, the day after Christmas. Uh, on Sunday will be their first back to back as they uh, play in Cleveland. Cleveland. Uh, beat Charlotte by uh, seven in the opener, 121-114. Colin Sexton had a nice game. Uh, The Knicks, meanwhile, uh, will open their home schedule uh, against the Sixers on the 26th. Uh, They just uh, lost to Indiana, 121-107. 
Knicks and Cleveland, both teams that the Sixers should beat. Uh, again, we mentioned in our pod when, uh, whether it was the last episode or the one before, that the first half schedule for the Sixers just plays in their favor. So I think that they uh, should be able to win these two games rather handedly, um, especially against the Knicks. But um, yeah, I mean, looking ahead, uh, I think it's a positive first step for this team, despite their clunkiness. And I think we're starting to return to Sixers basketball that we actually enjoyed watching because I almost forgot how miserable it was last season because I was literally like tearing up when Matt Cord was introducing the team prior to tip off. It was, it was just a very emotional moment. I mean, you're maybe a little, a little sappy on that, but yeah, well, what can you do? All right. Well, uh, that'll wrap up this episode of garbage into gold. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. We will be back probably after the Sixers back-to-back at one point. Uh, So either Sunday or Monday. Uh, If you're listening to this before Christmas, please have a very, very Merry Christmas. And if you're listening to it after Christmas, well, I hope you had a good Christmas and that you got some good gifts. So uh, Merry Christmas, Jesse. Hope you have a good one with your family. And and since we're on the back end of Hanukkah, let's wish a happy Hanukkah as well. Since Brandon, the the resident Jew of our podcast, was wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. Yeah, well, I, I feel I feel obligated to honor his family. To to be fair, Hanukkah, Hanukkah ended. Hanukkah happened during our last podcast, so um, well, I appreciate yeah, the it, gesture. It was it was. It was I appreciate the gesture, but we don't need your pity. We don't need your pity, as Erica, my fiance, boos you from the distance. So. Hey, it's the fault that counts. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time.